Good morning and welcome to... Uh, Let's try that again, shall we? <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Therapy Live Sport. Run, uh, swim, bike, run. I will get my words out eventually. Um, we are the Massage Collective. Matt Scarsbrook, Betty Morton, and Anna Maria Matsi Airy. Now, before we get started, we're just going to say thank you uh, for uh, to our partners who, are, and actually, we're we're partnering today with. You should hopefully see sliding out onto your screen. Uh, Therapy Live membership. Uh, now, Therapy Live membership is literally the best five pounds you will ever spend uh, because join today and you get access to all of the recordings from this conference, but also from the massive June conference as well. Uh, as well as that, we have a community for our membership made up of Therapy Live speakers such as ourselves and also the other people you've probably heard more about, um, podcast guests uh, and fans, essentially it is just the tip of the iceberg. You'll also get early access to all the podcast content, all of the extra bonus stuff that we record in the background uh, when we run out of time, quite frankly, but we've still got tons to talk about. Um, bonus content that you're just not going to find anywhere else. So whilst Five Pounds doesn't buy you a sandwich these days, it will help keep therapy live on air and free at point of access. So uh, please do consider joining the Therapy Live membership today. However, right now, we have our first ever live Massage Matters podcast. And we're a little bit nervous, but it's no pressure. So today, we wanted to talk about massage in the context of recovery. Okay, so we wanted to ask the questions, what is the purpose of using massage for recovery in endurance sport in particular? Um, and what explanation are we giving to the athlete in those circumstances? So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Becky. Cool. Um, so I was absolutely buzzing that we got asked to do this because my route into soft tissue therapy was triathlon. I was um, use past tense because racing seems to have been forgotten about this year. But um, so my background was as a very, very recreational, not very good triathlete, but a very enthusiastic triathlete, um, I think is fair to say. And the reason I started getting in, interested in sports massage and massage general, and then that led me on to sports th uh, to soft tissue therapy, sorry, was the fact that I used it myself as, as a recreational athlete. So when we were asked to do this, it made me kind of reflect on what was my experience as an athlete and what did I think I was achieving when I sought out that person in a gazebo at the end of a race. Um, and typically, as it often does, it came back to a, a kind of fairly structural biological answer. I thought I was um, flushing out lactic acid or I thought the therapist was flushing out my lactic acid. I thought they were improving my circulation. I thought they were doing all these magical things to put my muscles back to their pre-race length. Um, and I thought that if I didn't get that massage, I would definitely be more sore tomorrow. Um, so for me, it was always a, 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 a structural explanation. Um, and that's how I justified it to myself. 
is that I needed to go and do that else I wasn't going to very function very well for the rest of the day or the rest of the week and unfortunately um, I was never going to be a professional athlete so I had to go to work Monday morning and I had to probably drive two or three hours home from wherever my race was um, so for me my priority was that I could carry on functioning and I felt that massage was um, the best way of doing that so the first thing we're going to think about this morning is is where those physiological factors fit is there any evidence for them are they accurate is it even where we need to be looking when we wonder whether we should be using massage for recovery in in swim bike run athletes absolutely and and so when we dive into the research i mean it's the same with a lot of massage research to be quite honest it it is a bit like you're trying to trying to group together a lot of really bad research and try and come up with something good out of it. Um, and when I say bad, I mean poor in terms of the consistency between studies, poor in terms of the uh, quality of the studies, risk of bias, all that kind of stuff. Now, we're all, we're all sort of grown-ups here. We all realise that um, massage, it's very, very difficult to provide massage in a blinded study. You know, you, you can't provide someone massage and tell them you haven't or vice versa. So we know there are some limitations there. But when we look into, in particular, we've got two um, uh, studies, two a meta-analysis, sorry, that we're, we're looking at this morning, um, one of which is actually really recent from, uh, from earlier this year, from April this year, we see that there is a huge variation in just even what, what, is, a, what, what is massage. I mean, if we start with the question, what sports massage? You know, what, what would count as a sports massage to you at the end of a race? Um, and even with that question, you then try and collate all these different research papers together and go, well, let's try and compare, do a proper meta-analysis on it. And you find out that some people are being water jetted, which I had to look up, by the way, because I was saying to Becky earlier, to me, that was people stood in a field being hosed down. But it turns out that it's actually more jacuzzi style. But then, then you've got your mechanical, um, which I can only imagine are the, the um, vibrating power tools that you see being used quite a lot. Um, and then you've got your standard FLRs, petrosage, uh, to but, but again, there's how long do you do it for? How long do you wait after the event before providing that treatment? There's a huge number of questions. And when we start looking into the research, we realize that all of the research is actually looking for physiological effects. They're looking for changes in the tissues and come up with nothing. In short, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, looking for very specific uh, outcomes or very specific changes in a non-specific uh, type of technique because you can never reproduce the same technique. So I, I found that very interesting. Yeah, yeah, and there is that that emphasis again, and I think this is you know Matt's highlighted this brilliantly at Therapy Live last time. We've fallen. In massage, we've fallen into this trap of wanting to find a physiological explanation for what we're doing. And I think that's that's even more true when we talk about athletes, is that athletes tend to be the type of people that want a very clear biological explanation for something. Um, and we have maybe as as a in massage sort of fed into that a little bit by trying to find some explanation for what we're doing so when we look at some of the um some of the evidence or some of the 
physiological markers that have been looked at um you know there's there's testing into lactic acid levels it's it's um firstly that's been shown or it's widely agreed now that it's not really relevant um and also doesn't we're not having an effect on it blood flow again widely accepted that massage doesn't have an effect in blood flow other than a very localized skin level um there's still the debate around cortisol levels and whether a, it matters, and B, whether massage does anything to them at all. Um, and we will, I've seen a comment in the um, comments here about asking for these papers. We will be putting out all the references we've used for this one. Um, there is one, and I don't want to sit here again and say everything that massage doesn't do. There's some interesting work coming out now around cytokine levels, and that's an, an argument where I guess if we wanted to kind of say there's any promising work in on a physiological level that might be might be where we're looking again there's a lot of argument around its its clinical rev relevance but there there is some emerging work around that mm. so i think that's where where i guess we stand on the physiological effects would that be fair matt yeah, I think so. I mean, if we so let's let's talk about these two papers in specific. So um, we've got the twenty we've got the sixth of April twenty twenty paper uh, Davis et al uh, that was published in the BMJ uh, Open Sport uh, and Exercise Medicine, um, and we're comparing that really with an earlier study uh, which is um, Pop and Dyack uh, et al, which was two thousand and sixteen, I think. Uh, I'll find that again later. Um, but essentially what those two studies uh, have tried to do is, is collate together everything that reference or all the studies that referenced um, massage and performance recovery. Uh, and, and that's really, really important because what they're looking at there is a recovery of performance, which is a measurable factor. Right. You know, that's 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 what's important that we can we can measure it. Now, what these two papers do quite differently, the earlier paper, the Pop and Diet paper, is only really looking at um, 270 uh, participants in total across all of the papers, whereas the 2020 paper, the Davis et al., uh, managed to get over 1,000, about 1,012 participants um, in, in their study. And so it's a much, much larger study. But actually, when you dive into the, into the two papers, what what I like about the pop and diet paper is they actually then take those studies, although it's a smaller group of participants, they take those studies and break it down and try and give us a bit of an idea of, well, when we're talking performance, what do we actually mean? And, and also when we do see um, either benefits or, or in some cases, even negatives, what kind of categorization can we give? So to try and help fundamentally what that first paper, that older paper is trying to do is provide both athletes and coaches with um, some guidance, basically, as to should we be using massage in the context of improving performance? Um, and well, I mean, let's let's dive into that. So, so with this pop and diet paper, one of the the you know to to sort of summarise, I suppose, and we can dive into some of the 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 individual elements. But to summarise, what they're basically saying is, from the evidence that they've collected, there does appear to be a minor benefit to massage as a recovery um, uh, tool post exercise if your measure of benefit is performance in a subsequent uh exercise uh however there are some limitations to that so what they found is that broadly speaking uh you need to be providing massage pretty much immediately before the retest exercise 
Okay, so there does seem to be a very, very short window of benefit from massage to see any form of performance benefit. And when we say performance, what they've tried to do is break it down into, is it, uh, how, how's your sprint speed affected? How's your jump height affected? Um, how's your endurance uh, affected? Albeit they admit that endurance in this scenario is things like how many leg extensions can you manage, which we know is not particularly replicable when it comes to, um, you know, swim, bike, run. Uh, we're talking much, uh, quite a different type of endurance there. Um, and so what they're saying is that uh, you need to perform the massage just before you perform the retest or the new activity, whatever that might be, and that the massage itself doesn't seem to provide much benefit beyond about 12 minutes worth of massage. And at the lower end, about five minutes seems to be plenty. So you actually have quite a short um, uh, a short period that you can provide, that you, you know, a short amount of time massage should be provided for, much beyond that you're not really getting much benefit. And in some cases you are seeing actually a drop off in performance in particular, when you're looking at strength type work, which is not particularly what we're talking about here in endurance, but it's there. Um, and then you need to be performing immediately afterwards. And so this starts to sort of beg the question, well, under what circumstances is this really occurring? The other really interesting bit that I love the fact that this paper pulls out is it actually looks at populations of the athletes based on their training status and so it basically says well if we take untrained trained and competitive elite athletes what difference does massage make in those populations and basically you get a greater benefit whatever that benefit is you get a greater benefit um in untrained athletes which interestingly of course is the majority of people who attend most of the events that you're going to find a pop-up tent with, with massage therapists like ourselves in, which I thought was really interesting. It's really interesting. And it, it leads me on to my, <laughs> um, the issue I found when I was reading around a lot of the evidence about it is again, it's the same question with massage, isn't it? Are we measuring the right things? We're looking at, you know, we're here talking about massage as a, a, a method for recovery or its use in recovery yet all these studies are looking into performance indicators guess what i'm not going to finish a triathlon and go and jump a load <laughs> like i'm not but what i need to be able to do is i need to be able especially as a recreational athlete i need to be able to carry on with my normal living so actually for me the ones that are more in the studies that are more interesting are the studies that looked at those subjective factors. So they looked at perceived muscle fatigue rather than muscle fatigue, which was um, kind of defined as a measurable loss of strength that recovered with rest. So we're looking at perceived muscle fatigue, perceived level of DOMS, because actually to me that's far more relevant because as a, as a triathlete, I'm not going to, I've probably had a fairly, even a fairly short race. I've probably had a decent lead up. I'm probably going to have a period of rest after it, or at least reduce training and reduce racing. So I don't need to be able to perform at a high level. What I need to be able to do is get to work Monday morning and not be in agony yeah. or you know, I need to be able to take the dog for a walk later on. I need to be able to walk up the stairs without looking like John Wayne. These are the things that for me as an athlete were a priority. Um, and I think even you can you can flip that over into the professional 
realm as well is that they want to get back to some form of light training they'll probably have a recovery week of training and they want to be able to do that without it being a real struggle so that for me and we do see some stuff there's a, a study by Nunzatel that looked at um uh perceived muscle fatigue in quads in Ironman athletes and they found that the massage group had a significantly lower subjective pain and fatigue rating now the stuff like that and there is stuff out there that that says that that's that to me is far more relevant than these very um prescriptive biological markers and performance markers that we traditionally look for when we ask whether massage has any relevance for recovery. If, if we just look at those physiological markers, then the argument of, oh, well, but massage is expensive and time-consuming to give that type of um, small uh, changes. Yeah, I agree with that. So the, the argument that massage is expensive and time-consuming Absolutely, I cannot disagree if we are looking at those uh, physiological markers. Yeah, absolutely. Are we and actually, it... you know, for me, you are spot on, Becky, when you say that. Are we are we looking uh, in the wrong way? Are we asking the wrong question? Are we, quanti- are we trying to quantify something that's actually not what the, the athletes need to have quantified? And, and just... I think that... Oh, go on, Matt. No, I was going to jump in uh, and just with a couple of the questions that are popping up. And thank you, Keep. Uh, if, if you haven't seen that, I've, I've asked in the chat, pop your questions into the Q&A. We're going to try and answer questions uh, as we go rather than have a, a static Q&A session at the end like the others. Um, but Heather Snowden's asked, are these studies just looking at effleurage and petrissage techniques rather than advanced soft tissue techniques such as uh, trigger points and soft tissue release, etc.? And the answer is, in general, yes, they do appear to be just petrissage, petrissage, a bit of potament. But many of them don't actually qualify what they've used. Uh, and that's and that's just that's the problem as well. And that Davis study in particular, or that Davis review in particular, that I think it was like the third sentence or something, said that there is no definition of sports massage. So there is no accepted uh, definition of what 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 techniques would be yeah. used and actually matt and i were chatting off air beforehand and said it would be really interesting to send somebody for an aromatherapy massage after a sports event or some reflexology or a head massage or something and and almost use that as your control mute group rather than this traditionally accepted term of sports massage that doesn't really mean anything because we don't massage sport <laughs> yeah no, absolutely um and 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 this is the, the other thing as well is is not only you know there's there's a lot of um in the in, in our industry in general there is an awful lot of focus on specificity of technique and specificity of effect and one of the interesting bits that's, that, that came out of reading these papers is that specificity doesn't seem to correlate particularly well with when we do get results because in particular we don't know what techniques are being used but we still see broadly the same kind of results and they are minor positives or negatives we're not we're not seeing anything um massive here and where we do have outliers those outliers are actually fairly easily explained but we also have differences where it's recorded in the experience of the therapist so in some cases you've got brand new students um which is you know 
totally totally classic in our industry we we ourselves we take students to to finish lines um because it's a brilliant place to learn uh what you're doing and 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 understand what's happening essentially with an athlete as soon as they finish but you've got students all the way up through to you know physiotherapists with many many years working in elite sport and they're all providing massage and then the question is well is that massage any different from you know, from your from your uh, student through to your physiotherapist, and uh, is it different enough? Is the specificity enough that we st- start to see differences in the outcomes? And it doesn't seem to come out in the papers. So I think that leads us fairly nicely onto what we and we'd sectioned these two out, and then did kind of rethink it the other night as to whether they should be sectioned out at all. But the psychological or the biopsychosocial. Um, sorry, not by psychosocial elements of what's going on in a sports massage setting. Um, and this is what I found really interesting. And this is where I think we've probably got a little bit more value. And it, again, it, it caused me to reflect on my own experiences. And I started to think back and say, OK, in everything I've learned since I qualified as a soft tissue therapist, actually, let me figure out why I used to like going and having a sports massage at the end of a race. I was a really stressy athlete. I'm a really stressy person. So I was a really stressy athlete. Racing for me was really stressful. And that was something that I thrived off. So for a good week beforehand, I'd be het up. I'd be het up the night before. I am a bit mental in transition and a little bit OCD in transition. Um, So it was a really stressful occasion. Um, And racing itself although I enjoyed it I found that I got very worked up and actually when I look back on it now what I enjoyed about my post-race massages was I got to lie down for a bit I got somebody who was giving me caring therapeutic touch but they were also listening to my experience it gave me a justification for hanging around in the race village a little bit longer it gave me that time and that space to be in that environment and surrounded by the the people I enjoy being surrounded with and have a bit of a come down. And yes, that touch was valuable in that situation. I wouldn't have just led down on the grass and had the same experience. That touch was valuable and that touch was important. But it was all those psychosocial elements that were going on that for me, that's what I needed at the end of the race was that come down. Because otherwise, if I get went home, still in that state that I was in, that would be fairly unproductive for me the rest of the day so then we we started to dive into that and there's there is more stuff around as ever there's a a lovely um review Nelson et al that that actually is the one that picks out that probably the most well-established benefits of massage within literature are psychological so again is that where we should be looking especially when we're working with this group of people whether they're recreational athletes or professional athletes for whom they do tend to be quite um stressy individuals <laughs> i say that lovingly i'm going to jump in there with a comment from nicholas smith which i think it speaks exactly to what you just covered there becky which is in uh, in her experience providing post-event massage both professional and recreational athletes find benefit in even five to ten minute massage well fortunately nicola the papers do back you up on that one um Maybe it's just a distraction, having someone to offload or debrief to, maybe the chance to get the adrenaline down a little bit. And, and generally, you know, massage is, is a light, is light pressure there anyway. So maybe it is as much the interaction with someone uh, who has a bit of an idea of what's going on with you, particularly if, you know, if you're someone for whom, 
you know, racing every Sunday is just not what you take your family to, but it's something that you love. It's quite nice to have someone who kind of gets it. Yeah, and what is important also is the fact that it's client-centered in terms of some people might enjoy their lying down and being touched while they're lying down. Some people, some athletes, actually, it could be the worst thing for them to do so. So it's very, very, context is really important and it is very, very individual. We don't want to say to everybody, you will benefit from receiving a post-event or come for your massage because it will improve your, uh, you know, your, um, the way you, it will improve your lactic acid. We cannot say that anymore. And we have the responsibility of not saying that anymore. It's actually okay just saying, come because if you like to have a massage that will you makes you feel better just as simply make you feel better after your strenuous exercise however you can go and have a bath you can go and lie down in the grass you can go and sitting down with your family whatever well, so the gonna... clients like at the particular time so i'm going to i'm going to direct a question directly to you then anna so lucy Searle asks do the psychological effects outweigh the physiological effects? If you feel sore and someone makes you feel better with a massage, is, is that not a good thing? Yeah, very much. Nobody, no, no, nobody is querying that. Lucy, I go back a little bit. Lucy, am I right to think so? Lucy, the name, yeah. I go back a little bit. Shall we differentiate the two? Can we ever differentiate psychological to physiological and so on? We had a lovely discussion, all three of us, um, regarding pain on that last night. Uh, the body's complex and no, the being the being is complex and I think we need to st- we we need to stop differentiating too much between physiological and psychological and, and emotional but uh, to answer your question for us for me massage is very 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 valuable it has certainly certainly its place but we need to give it and explain it with the right narrative and um, we need to also accept that just because physiologically there are no uh, clear physiological mechanism, we can accept, we, we have to accept that, sorry. And we actually also have to say, if a client benefits, why, why do, if the client feels better, why do they feel better? And that might be because of the massage itself, but as Becky really strongly said, it's also because of the context around it. It's because of you as a therapist. It's because of the connection, even very immediate connection that the athlete might might have with you. It's because he might be laying down in the tent and he feels great. He's buzzing. He's talking to the other people, to the other athletes there. It's because of all of it. So yes, if you remove massage, they might not have the same... uh, uh, they say they don't. They might not feel as they might not have the same benefit, but it's not the physiological part of the massage that gives them benefit. That is really important. It's not the specificity of the techniques that gives the benefit. And one no, thing that helped answer your question. Go, on, Becky. Go, Becky. All right. So one thing that really jumped out at me when I was thinking about that and and whether we can separate those out is there's some work by Trust and George that shows that fearful beliefs and pain catastrophizing um, 
obviously um, impact on perceived pain intensity and subjective pain. And they went on to discuss in the review by Nelson that theoretically then, if we can reduce the levels of anxiety around DOMS, that actually the effect of DOMS is reduced. So there is that lovely crossover in that example. And sorry, I'm not great at quoting papers. So you're probably like, everyone's thinking, oh my God, what's she talking about? But I'm trying. you know, if we can take that fear and that pain catastrophizing away from DOMS a little bit, and that's something a massage therapist at the end of the race is, you know, so well placed to do, you know, yeah, you probably are going to feel a bit sore tomorrow because you've just gone out and done this amazing thing. And you've you've shown this awesome capability to push your body to this extent. And yeah, you are going to feel a bit sore over the next couple of days. It's nothing to worry about. You've not torn anything. You've not done anything awful. You know, we're in that beautiful position to to help reduce some of that anxiety around that. So yes, that's a psychosocial input if you like but it has a very real physiological effect for that person because their pain or their doms or their reduced movement because of their doms is is reduced moving forward the expectation of doms the expectation of pain of doms that in itself it's a problem that in itself if we can de-threaten the brain and frame it as you know this is normal you, you are okay what we should not be doing and we have a responsi- responsibility now to do is to say unless you have a massage you will have doms because the message will create bigger nociceptor than the doms themselves so i'm going to jump in here with something that um i wasn't quite sure when to put it in but i so i when i was doing research for for this uh, podcast i was obviously looking at the papers but i wanted to see what the general message was that athletes were receiving um when it came to post-event massage um and i just stuck in post-event massage basically or sports massage uh, into the internet and um, picked up a few uk-centric um, sports websites and when it, when it comes to the messaging it, it, we, we have to be better at this like like that is one of the things that as a massage collective we are really pushing and the messaging has to be better because we can be so damaging with the words we use i'm going to read something here i'm not going to name the website but i'm going to read something here um which uh, well you can let me know what you think. Can you afford not to get a massage? Without it, you will train in pain. You will get more injuries. You will take longer to recover. You will always be in danger of re-injury and you may never reach your potential. Like, wow. What, what we mess- need to get the message out there. We need to, we all have a responsibility to, that, 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 the practitioner that put the message out there, she, that he or she, they obviously have, have continued a false belief that has been going on for for decades but now all of us it's all of our responsibility to say maybe you know this is no no maybe well this is no how should be phrased this is this is actually more damaging that's what people don't understand that what words are damaging and we see that it's easy to knock therapists for that and and it's easy to knock recreational athletes for believing it as well and actually that that persists I remember seeing some articles just when locked uh when professional sport went 
restarted after the first lockdown. And I think there were, I'm not an expert, but I think there were some rules around they could see physiotherapists for like essential treatment if they were injured, but they couldn't have their routine post um, um event or training massages and I saw both premiership footballers and professional cricketers raising concerns in the press that they would get injured because they couldn't have their post-game massages so that you know that belief persists throughout recreational sport professional sport and and of course, if a if an amateur athlete or a recreational athlete reads a high level professional footballer saying I'm going to get injured because I can't have a massage, of course you're going to believe the same thing. Why wouldn't you? It's and it's it, it, it we need to move away from it because yeah. we need to you know the one day you turn up to that race and there isn't somebody in a tent giving you a massage, I don't want you going home thinking that you're going to get injured or you're going to be in pain for days. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other, the, the other thing for me, is, though, is also with that message of we need to change the way people describe massage and we need to make people aware of what massage doesn't do, we have also to, to communicate to people that it's actually if the clients like to have a massage as long as it's given with the right narrative, that is so beneficial for the client because that is taking client values into account. Because when I finish my training session, if I actually enjoy and, and I feel better by lying down and receiving a physical, they actually for me is the physical touch because I don't want anybody to talk to, to me. I'm such an asocial. But if the physical touch for me is so powerful, makes me feel so much better, myself, I respond better with that. Other people don't, but I respond better with that. So and as we, long as, and, and that, is, that is powerful. This is what, um, sorry, this, this is what I want to, get, want to get across. Just because he hasn't got physiological, we cannot find physiological markers or physiological benefits. Psychological benefits are as important as. So we need to shift the paradigm that physiological benefits are the only markers that we need to use to ascertain and to validate effectiveness of a, a therapy, a modality or intervention. The psychological, emotional well-being, and they, they, they cross together, like Lucy mentioned, Lucy asked before, has to be what is important. Sorry, and Becky. I think, no, I was just going to say that as, as therapists, we need to be really proud of that. So I almost yes. feel a bit some I feel a bit worried about that person that's written on their website that they feel they have to justify their treatment that way and you can't just be proud of the fact that or it's not even justice we need to be proud of what massage does and stop looking for things that it doesn't do I'm really proud of the fact that I can stand on the finish line of an event and I can share that experience with athletes and I can be a positive part in their recovery without trying to justify it in ways that are physically implausible yes to me it's a huge honor that an athlete would want to lie on my couch for 10 minutes and tell me about their race and and let me be part of their come down that's a massive honor and and we should be really proud of that without looking for another explanation so (laughs) because i can right i'm going to jump in and we're going to move to our theory to practice which is something that's becoming um 
a feature of our podcast in general. And we really wanted to make sure that uh, out of this conversation, um, everyone who came uh, to listen to us go away with, with, with something practical that they can apply, albeit probably not for a little while, given, as Becky alluded to, the state of current events. But our question for today is, okay, so based on the, uh, based on the interpretation of the research, most of us, if we're doing a uh, finish line massage, are going to be at events where mostly it's untrained or amateur athletes. So we know we can have, uh, if we're going to have an, a beneficial effect, we're going, it's going to be there. Um, but you've got five to 12 minutes. That's, that's the, seems to be the magic window uh, for providing a massage. So Anna Maria, what would you do in that five to 12 minutes? How do you use that time most effectively? Nothing. <laughs> apart from the massage itself, I would, apart from giving them a good, good massage, I would do nothing. I would say nothing. I would listen and I would share the, their experience with them. I would share their, um, their, their, their buzzing about the event. I would just listen when they're talking how they felt a mile 30 of the cycle ride. I will use that opportunity to for the client to do what they want while I am using my massage. The, you don't even have to do specific massage techniques. Just give them a a, a relaxing input and a varied input into, especially into those areas where they feel a little bit so, so just give a little bit of help them to desensitize the area. But apart from that, for me, language and uh, listening skills are the most important there. And uh, that's where the client will go. You should not hear your voice. Like I say that to all the therapists. When uh, you are there with your client, no matter what settings, if if one hear the therapist's voice more than the client's voice, you know that you are not kind, as, you're not as client-centered as you should be, and as research is telling us, that's the best way to be in order to be to give effective intervention. And that's why we gave Anna Maria a podcast platform to get all of that out, so that she doesn't overload her clients. Becky, have you got anything else you want to add to that? Yeah. So what I'm not going to do is uh, take it as an opportunity to tell a bunch of people how much I know, and I think that. I've seen it happen a lot and I completely understand it because as a as a therapist who normally works in your little clinic it's to be put in front of a thousand people at an event is is a great opportunity to get your business out there and I completely understand it but I don't think the right way to make yourself look like a good therapist is to spend those 12 minutes telling that person how they can improve or things about their posture or what feels like what or how much you know about the sport or how much you can help them with their strength and conditioning yet by all means if they ask you questions that you think you can allude to but I would be really careful about offload, um, overloading them in that situation so I'd maybe say yes yeah, definitely something we can chat out about why don't you give me a ring in the week when you've when you're sort of feeling a bit better but like Anna said I don't want to hear my own voice I want to let them talk I want them to let them enjoy the experience and I'm gonna just put my ego to one side a little bit because that's for me that's what they need 
All right, so that is Theory to Practice for this week. Um, obviously, we're on a little bit of a time cap today just because we want to uh, make sure we get everything out to you. But I'm just going to say we are keeping an eye on the comments. We're keeping an eye on the Q&A. And anything we don't get round to today, our plan is to actually record some bonus material where we jump in and answer any of the questions uh, that are particularly popular in the Q&A uh, and we will be posting that within the Therapy Live membership uh, forum. So please do take a look at the Therapy Live membership. Uh, it is something that uh, we're really, really excited about, uh, and it will mean that we can continue producing this kind of stuff, uh, which hopefully you're finding useful. So we've talked around the fact that we have a focus almost in the research and certainly in, in, in the teaching when it comes to, to massage therapy around the physiological effects. But particularly when we're looking at massage for recovery, it doesn't seem to stand up very well. Um, we've talked about there are psychological effects and, and we've touched upon in other podcasts and we've touched upon in, in other talks that the psychological benefits of massage do seem to be far stronger, but they're just not investigated quite as thoroughly as the physiological effects. And that is largely down to because it's far easier to measure something like blood flow than it is about how you feel about your DOMS three days later. It, it, you know, it, it's the subjective versus the, the objective. It's the qualitative versus the quantitative. And yet we are really seeing that the qualitative, <laughs> how you feel about these things can be really, really important. And I think one of the um, things that I think Becky touched on earlier and is really powerful to me and, and a place that we we really do perform well is if it's about helping the client feel better, feel they've achieved something and helping them feel like they can um, they're less worried about the DOMS that's going to occur later in the week. They can go back to, I mean, most, most of these um, runners and cyclists and triathletes at finish lines, what's the first thing they've got to do? Probably go home and cook dinner for the kids and, and, and deal with the fact that actually they can't just go and lie down and feel, feel sorry for themselves. They've actually got to get on with real life. And if we can provide a form of intervention that has effectively no downsides, provided you watch your language and what you tell them, but in terms of the physical intervention of massage, very few, if any, downsides, you can, you can get in and help that individual cope with the rest of their day, cope with the rest of their week by making them feel better. What, what else would we want to do? I do think I am just going to counter that, Matt, and say I do think we need to be cautious around massage. And, and one place I think particularly is in professional sport. And it's something we chatted about beforehand and appreciate we're really close on time. But the evidence is not strong around enough around massage, both physiologically and psychologically, for us to insist on it. And what I worry when I look at professional sports sometimes is that there is this insistence that somebody needs to go for their recovery massage. And it's I've heard, um, you know, you watch these documentaries with pro cyclists and you, you hear them describing a typical day on a grand tour. And I hear them talking about massage as a chore. It comes in the same breath as their press commitments, as their drug testing. It's like, all I want to do is eat a hell of a lot of pasta and go to bed. But I've got to do all these other things. And that's where if I'm going to chuck in, be devil's advocate and chuck in where we shouldn't use massage, it's where it's, it's being insisted on. We're giving it a false belief that if you don't have it, you're going to get injured. And actually, it's getting in the way of what Mike James would refer to as the athlete's big rocks, which is sleep, 
food, <laughs> water, you know, and I always say, you know, massage should never become before is your athlete fed, watered, warm and dry, because those are my sort of priorities for them. And then you can expand that as well. Are they getting enough time to sleep? Are they getting enough time to relax in the way they feel is more appropriate to them? So if I would chuck a spanner in a works, that would be it and what we look at when we look at all the evidence all the evidence every single one of the studies used the word inconsistent the findings were inconsistent and in my mind I went well yeah of course it is because all athletes are individuals and some of them might not like massage (laughs) so we should never insist on it that's my caveat can I I just then Claire's asking when your clients asks what are the benefits to massage what would be your answer it makes you feel better and that is, in that is okay. Yeah, and I wanted, and Olivia, I do apologise. Your your uh, question has been at the top of our uh, Q and A and most voted all the way through. But I thought it was a brilliant one to finish on, which is: so if there are no known physiological benefits, then how would you go around promoting massage uh, and hands-on techniques and how they can help? Um, what would you be highlighting as the major benefits to warrant it uh, in respect to being a useful tool for athletes? And and I think. I think that's it. It makes you feel better. And if you feel better, you are likely to move better. If you move better, you're going to perform better. It, it, it's, it's, it's that simple. And me. I think, to, to, and I would just jump in. I know we've got like a minute left, but I would just say, don't underestimate that. And that might take a little bit of explan- expansion in your explanation with your client in terms of it makes you feel better. Somebody might see that as not of value, but you know, maybe then's the place to have a tight a conversation around the, the nature of pain and the nature of DOMS and where feeling better fits into that. So we are now down to our final minutes. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are the Massage Collective. You can find us on Facebook at the Massage Collective. You can email us at any time on massage at physio-matters.com. You can find us individually. Um, we're, we're mostly on Facebook. We do have uh, an Instagram account, albeit we'd probably need to take some photos uh, and add them to. Um, I keep threatening uh, to take some pictures of me cupping someone just to upset um, fairly different uh, people, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to move to it. And we have our podcast, Massage Matters, that comes out every first and third Sunday of the month. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day at Therapy Live. See you soon. Bye now. Bye.